and welcome to another episode of Over Underrated. It's Fran here, and today we're discussing blues with our guest, podcaster, lecturer, and writer, Carlin King. My co-host Babs, myself, and Carlin have been listening to two playlists, one from each act, and we'll be discussing if we think they are over or underrated. So, please sit back and enjoy the podcast. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underrated. Over underrated. Welcome to another episode of Over Underrated. It is I, Fran, and I'm here with my co-host Babs. Hello, Babs. Hello, it is I, Babs. I feel very Shakespearean <laughs> talking like that. How have you been, Fran? Um, I have been dandy. I've been eating a lot of grapes. And I've been playing um, computer games and sitting in my pants for the past two days. Which is information I'm sure you don't want to hear about. And oh, I think we have <laughs> listeners who want to hear that really? information. Oh, Did yeah. I see on Facebook you were playing a Poirot computer game? Yeah, so I bought a pro computer game and then spent over 15 hours and cancelled plans to to complete the game. I don't know why this happened to me. I mean, he's Belgium's greatest detective, but is is it worth it? I I don't know. But did you listen to music in that time as well? What have you been listening to? Have I listened to music? Uh, What have I been listening to? I have been listening to... um, not a lot of music. I've been listening to music podcasts, which is, you know, good research of this. But apart from that, I'm going to say the same as before. Spectre released another single, which I really liked. And Depeche Mode, for reasons, has clogged up my week. How about yourself, Babs? I mean, Depeche Mode also clogged up my week. I wonder, I wonder why. And I will mention again that I've been listening to Goose because yesterday I went to their gig at Ancienne Belgique, which was great. It was one of those gigs where I was a little bit scared when they played kind of five songs in a row all from their new album. And I was like, this is all great, you know, and they they build and build. And then like the second they started playing the classics, just the place went absolutely crazy. Um, They have this song called Sinrise, which I think we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. which is like this, you know, almost instrumental song. But there's this humming and three songs in when there was the remotest bit of silence, people were like singing it to try and get them to do it. And then they played it and people were still singing it after the song had finished. So it was a really, really nice atmosphere. Nice to get all in the mosh pit. Mosh pit. It was it was fairly tame. It was mostly older people. Uh, just a little a little celebratory circle. Yeah, it was really good. The best gigs is when you leave and people are still singing in the courses of the, yeah. into, the, into the subway or wherever you are Indeed. on the way home. Indeed. But we're not alone today. We have a guest. Who has also been to a lot of gigs, she told us, uh, pre-record we have carlin king hello carlin how are you doing hello thank you so much for having me i'm really good thanks i'm enjoying the scottish sun oh really really it's it- snowing here in brussels today <laughs> very different like that is so weird <laughs> yeah it is it's it's quite bizarre everyone's saying like snow on april fool's day but of course uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was I was in Tenerife last week, and uh, so coming back and having snow in April, well, the last day of March is kind of crazy. So yeah, and you know, I'm the kind of guy that once the heating's off, the heating's off, and you know, I I was tending, but you know, 
It isn't, yeah, freezing Layering cold. Up. But Carlin, what music have you been listening to recently or in what gigs have you been to? Yeah, so I really enjoyed um, seeing Idols back on the road. Um, they played the Glasgow Barrowlands and at one point they got everyone to sit down on the ground nice. and separate into two crowds. And some guy started backflipping up and down the, the bit in the middle. <laughs> Did you all then do oops upside your head? Is that what happened? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. The um, buttons. Yeah. And one of them just like, um, I always forget their names. One of the guitar players jumped into the crowd and just started singing random songs by Scottish acts. So there was a bit of Simple Minds. There was like some Bell and Sebastian garbage it was it was great sounds great i've never seen idols live i have to say like they're one of those bands that i've not made much of an effort to try and get into but they're meant to be quite good live right they're amazing and um, they've really like come into their own i think and they've been through a lot personally and that really comes across in the live show and uh Karen has her own podcast and wasn't idols on your podcast recently yeah so adam devonshire the bass player dev as he's known and his cat were on my podcast <laughs> his cat is called Toulouse. we're yeah. also a cat friendly podcast yes that? above my left shoulder my cat you might see my cat kim named after kim gordon and kim deal so oh, let's see if she makes an entrance <laughs> i think she's in a post food coma at the moment so likely won't there may be some more cat chats later on yes Absolutely. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so um, today we're chatting, as always, about two different acts. Um, the first act we're going to be talking about is a, some would say maybe an overrated rock and roll blues band called the Rowanian Stones. And the other act we'll be t- discussing later on, Carlin, is... Memphis Mini. Memphis Mini. If you don't know who she is, you will by the end of this. <laughs> so, shall we discuss the Rolling Stones first? Let's get them out of the way. The little-known Rolling Stones. Overrated. I have made a playlist of five tracks that kind of represents the traditional Rolling Stones of the 1960s, the, the bluesy uh, era, maybe. And um, Babs, are you a fan or have you seen them live or anything? Or So I, I'm i not a particular fan. I, I would definitely say that in my view they're overrated, but I haven't seen them live and so many people say that they're absolutely amazing. My friend Tasha often travels to other countries to go and, and see them live. So I feel like to make a definitive decision, I would need to do that. But yeah, I, I you know, the songs that you picked particularly are broadly not my favourite. I think my favourite Rolling Stones song is Give Me Shelter by a wide, wide margin. And I mean, Mary Clayton's story is amazing. Um, and I recently saw a ballet, which was kind of inspired by their music. So, so sometimes their music was played kind of, you know, as is, or, or sometimes it was covered. Um, but given that blues is a genre that I don't know particularly well, it's a genre that I know has inspired a lot of bands that I like, but I've never really gotten into it yet. It didn't really, it didn't really surprise me that, uh, yeah, this this playlist, yeah, you know, I wasn't a big a big fan of this playlist in in all honesty in, in advance. But uh, I'm looking forward to discussing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my favourite song is uh, is She's a Rainbow. Again, it's more psychedelic than anything bluesy. But because we're kind of doing a bloom themed episode, I kind of stepped in that direction. Um, Carlin, have you seen the Stones? Are you a fan? 
So I've never seen them live, and yeah, much like Babs, I've heard a lot of people say they're incredible. Um, they're they're headlining British Summertime this year again in Hyde Park. So they've done it before, um, and then now they're doing it again. And I just I can't help but feel like someone else should really be given the mantle there. Um, yeah, and I kind of feel the same on the playlist. I mean, one thing I will say is I don't hate them, but when those songs come on when you're like in a pub or whatever they are great songs but what i kind of take issue with is that what how much they took from other artists and that these artists were sort of erased from rock and roll history so that's my biggest bugbear with them i have seen them live in 2007 and it was interesting to see how they're mature they looked so i'm surprised 15 years later but they're still, they're still going and also when charlie passed away you think surely that would be a time to move on like i just don't know why they need to keep playing like they can at one point retire maybe slightly um but yeah when i saw them live you know it's exciting to hear these songs you've been listening to on the radio for the past 30 40 years um it's nice to see mitch jagger shake himself from stage uh, <laughs> but they did play a lot of the new album and it did feel like people were looking at their watch on the phone uh, throughout the, the gig. I mean, oh, suddenly they play a song from the 60s again. And it's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. But um, yeah, I don't own any Rona songs. I've got like that 50 licks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 40 licks, yeah. 40 licks, sorry. Yeah. You added 10. <laughs> I've got the deluxe version. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> got some B-sides, yeah. But yeah, I'm not like a, a complete uh, no, a completist at all. So I just, making this playlist, like I said, you know, I, I knew we are doing a blues theme, so I thought... Let's think of some bluesy bangers by the Stones and discuss those. So, shall we get into the playlist? Let's do it. What's your first pick? So, my first pick, Brown Sugar. I didn't even realise it was controversial because, um, Carlin, to let you know, me and, and Babs hardly listen to lyrics. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I Revelation didn't really today. know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know what the song was about until today. I was, oh, wow. <laughs> I thought I, I always thought the song was about heroin. Oh, okay, yeah. So I believe it's about a young woman of color. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's um the backing singer Claudia Lanier. Or it could be about Marsha Hunt. That was what Wikipedia says because Mar- Marsha Hunt said it was about her, and then Claudia Lanier said it was about her, and Bill Wyman apparently said in his book that it was a, it was Claudia Lanier. So, yeah, controversy. Yeah, and the lyrics you know mentioned the slave trade. And uh, lots of other fun parts. And I don't even realize that now um, the Stones have now, now refused to play it. I think like a few a few years ago they pulled it from the set list because of those reasons. So you know it's interesting because obviously I, I don't think that Mick Jagger is pro slave trading or anything. Um, but lyrics aside, for me, you know it has that guitar riff we all know. And apart from that, it does nothing for me. It's I just find it a bit bland stones babs yeah i i agree it really it doesn't do much for me at all and it it just astounds me you know with some of the songs on your playlist the accolades that they have so rolling stone ranked it 495 on the 500 greatest songs of all time and at number five on the list of 100 greatest guitar songs of all time what i think it was their last number one single in the uk as well oh wow okay didn't know that not angie what a shame um i quite quite like that song actually but yeah it's just i don't think the guitar riff is that good like i I just 
it's fine you know i i think like carden was saying like i don't hate the stones but i'm just like yeah it's it's okay um and i guess i haven't been to enough events where the song might tie into my memory i don't know i haven't heard it at that many weddings or or something like that any other lyrics i think I, I remember broadly hearing of, of like, oh, is it about heroin or is it about a woman? But then you go and read them and you're like, oh, my God, you know, why the hell is he mentioning the slave trade when he's talking about having sex with a black woman? This is awful. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's that thing of like probably at the time it was like, oh, it's quite, uh, you know, good that, you know, a white guy is singing about having sex with a black woman. But it's like, yeah, but he's really, uh, you know, not doing it in the best way and really fetishizing her. And there are better ways to do this. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's not dated well at all. <laughs> yeah, he's fetishizing a young black woman, and he, the line is like like how a young girl should and stuff like that. I mean, it's really yeah. not good. Um, it, it's funny because like when you listen to it, it's you know I was I was listening to like the remastered version, and you know it sounds massive. It sounds so well produced, and if it came on in a you know at a party or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, this is cool. But it's that kind of bland cool. It's that. You know, like yes. a lot of cultural theorists yes. would say it's just kind of distraction, it's kind of gonna keep you compliant. Um yeah, it doesn't really register on a on a deeper level and yeah, the lyrics are pretty scummy, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what what I found cool, interesting, definitely. apparently Mick Jagger wrote this completely by himself. Even that guitar mm-hmm. riff was a Mick Jagger and I didn't realise he was that I also assumed that Keith did the the music and Mick did the lyrics. But I don't know, like he completely wrote the whole thing himself and then Keith just arranged it afterwards, which I was kind of shocked by. Um, but moving on to... <laughs> to another song that perhaps hasn't aged well. Honky Tonk Women. Uh, I personally have always hated this song. I mean, I love a cowbell. Any song that starts with a cowbell bell is also up there. Um, but yeah, it's got you know, flashes of guitar and I can't hear any bass at all listening back to this. Although I'm listening to it on Spotify, the mono version, so maybe it doesn't help. But yeah, I just think it needs uh, more piano and less sax. Not a big fan of sax, unfortunately. Um, sax. Yeah, again, this is about what him going around shagging. Is that basically? Yeah, so because um, I, I was like, okay, this is almost the opposite to Brown Sugar because this is almost a song about women forcing themselves on him. Like the lyrics literally are, I laid a divorcee in New York City. I had to put up some kind of fight. <laughs> so a honky tonk woman is apparently uh, a dancing girl in a Western bar who may work as a sex worker. And uh, talking about this barroom queen in Memphis, she tried to take me upstairs for a ride. She had to heave me right across her shoulder. <laughs> okay um i actually i'm surprised that you hate this small friend i prefer this to brown sugar uh although i think i didn't like the horns in either and knowing what i know now about you and horns i'm surprised that you don't like them either carlin how do you feel about this song and horns in general (laughs) horns and what on board no one's ever asked me that um horns belong in motown is what i would say (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, horns and Motown. Yeah, I'm all with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this kind of honky tonk, yeah, honky tonk bar brothel type situation. Um, again, I just find it really bland. Do you know WWF wrestling, the honky tonk, honky tonk man? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, no. so what? So what's that mean? Is he like a sex guy or what? I, don't, <laughs> I thought he's into. <laughs> I'm googling this immediately. It's like honky it's like an Elvis, look, an Elvis looking like, and he's called the Honky Tonk Man. 
Okay, I've just I've just looked him up. I mean, that is that's quite a striking look. Well, we move on to time is on my side, which I think was their first US top ten, and I didn't know this was a cover until today. Yeah. Because when the Stone started out, they were doing a lot of you know traditional blues and jazz numbers, and uh, yeah, when they first came to America, they were known for being more of a, a sit down and seeing the batters kind of band like the Westlife. And it wasn't until later one when they got <laughs> sexy and rockier. To me, it's far too repetitive. I'm not a fan of many of the slow ones, apart from, you know, maybe Angie, like herself, Babs. But yeah, it's not for me. And, you know, we're mentioning later on that they stole from America. And, you know, a lot of the Americans, the first time they heard a song was some some guys from England singing Amer- American accents. Yeah. Babs, have you heard this song before? Yeah, no, I hadn't heard this song before and I found it dull. I think the only the only bit I like, there's like a bit of a solo uh, mm. going on, but I found it really boring. Um, yeah, it's just, like I said, blues is not a genre that I am automatically enamored with. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is really like the kind of stuff I don't like. Yeah, I agree. It's super bland. Um, I guess it's of its time. But yeah, I just I just hate that, you know, everything they did they stole, basically. Um, <laughs> in the words of most deaf, um, they called that out. He said, Yeah, Elvis ain't rock and roll, um, little Richard is the king, you know. Um, yeah, so this is probably the most bland one on the playlist, yeah. Yeah. And I'd then agree. to a little less bland. We have Can't Get No Satisfaction. Yeah. Which is when they've moved away a little bit from blues. That's just when they started to create more of what I would think the stone sound is. Um, and, you know, this, I think before this, they were like less popular than Herman and the Hermits. And this literally turned them from being just another 60s band to being like, you know, the behemoth band the rolling stones um but i think apparently they have stolen some uh, from a song called 30 days by chuck berry i believe mm. so yeah and it was a folk song and then the producer gave uh, keith a fuzz box and he plugged it in and then they completely changed the song they had to bury the vocal because they thought it'd be too sexy to be played on the radio um and you know it's all about jagger's delivery I shake myself to this if it's played, and I even enjoy the Devo cover. Has anybody heard the Devo version? I have not. Oh. No. What's it like? Well, it's very much Devo. They managed to get the the, the classic guitar riff, then completely cut it up, and it sounds very different with like a robot beat to it. So the first time you hear it, it's like, what the fuck is this? And then by the fourth time, you absolutely love it. I really like this song. This is definitely one of my my favourite Stone songs, and I was glad it came. And I was like, finally, and I, I love the bass. You know, like you were saying in Honking Talk Woman, you can hear the bass. Like, obviously, the 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 hook is good, but the bass, the dun 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 dun, like it, it's it's really enjoyable. You can imagine that, yeah, it's from '65. I had no idea it was it was that old actually. Um, to be singing about that in that time, you know, I'm sure many people were impressed. But again, the accolades. So it's 31 on Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Uh, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 98 and it is the 10th ranked song on critics' all-time lists according to acclaimed music. I mean, it's good, but it's not that good, is it? 
It's definitely a bop in terms of like this list and that yeah, like that guitar tone and that line is is great. But um, I much personally, I much prefer like Paint It Black or She's a Rainbow. Yeah. And then the next track and final track is kind of like the cousin to Can't Get No Satisfaction. We have Jumping Jack Flash. When I believe they went down a psychedelic route, which kind of alienated them a little bit, and they kind of wanted another hit. So they went back to the uh, the previous format. And apparently Keith said that if you reverse the guitar riff of Can't Get Satisfaction, it basically is this. It's just to span it around. Oh my God. <laughs> and create a, a new track. And I am, I don't know, I'm sad to say this, but I'm going to say it. The first time I heard this song was in the film of the same name, starring Whippy Goldberg. Like what? I've never no, even heard of that. the film Dumpy Jack Flash. No? No, what's, what's it about? Um, she's a spy. And then using the lyrics of the song, she has to solve the mystery. I'm not joking. It's the real thing. <laughs> this is a I had never, <laughs> ever heard the song in my life until I saw the Whippy Goldberg film. I think because I was a fan of Ghosts, I wanted to discover some more Whippy. I'm giggling the film <laughs> immediately. It kind of sounds Jumping amazing. Jumping Jack Flash, by the way, is Keith's gardener. He's called Jack, and he'll jump around. So that's where they got the name from. But um, I think it's a little bit more funky than Can't Get This Action. Um, so yeah, for me, this is the best song on the playlist. And I will always, if it's on, I will leave it on because it's a, it's a great classic track. Kind of just ripping off blues as much as the other songs. We're just going to a new direction for the Stones. or. Yeah. I would say it's a bit, a little bit of both. I, I always find them derivative. Um, yeah, they don't really deviate from that kind of twelve-bar blues, you know. Um, and I think I just think they're interesting because they they never once said, you know, we invented rock and roll, or mm. you know, that they were friends with like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and stuff like that. Um, but they never quite acknowledged their own kind of privilege in the sense that in the 60s as four white, five white guys from England that they were able to become these huge megastars. Um, Apparently in um, 65 they refused to uh, do a US tour unless they could have a Howling Wolf supporting them. Yeah. So they did try. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, they got him on, yeah, the one, a, a TV show, um, which was fantastic. And yeah, I believe he did go on tour with them as well. But I just think they could have done more. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, Carlin. I think like that when when I looked at the lyrics, because yeah, I, I hadn't I hadn't heard this song in a while. And yeah, it's interesting you say that you prefer it, Fran. I, I definitely still prefer Satisfaction to this. I think this one is fine, whereas Satisfaction I actually kind of like. But um, I wrote, once again, interesting to see some Brits inspired by Black Americans, because I was thinking about... Um, the Dire Straits episode that we did, which is kind of like Brits pretending yeah. to be Americans. And that's exactly what this is. You know, it's like, uh, what is it? I hold up my ma in the driving rain. <laughs> it's a gas. Like, you know, it, it's really, you know, obviously they can they can be whatever character they they, they want to be. And I, I read that um, this was called, going back to Running Stone magazine, ironically, um, they called it Supernatural Delta Blues by Way of Swinging London. Okay, sure. But yeah, I, I, I do agree with you, Colin. I think you it's the whole kind of inspiration appropriation thing right you know like if you're if you're being inspired by by people i think you should um you should elevate them and uh, you know it sounds like they did yeah. a bit if you if you're saying fran about the the howling mm. wolf story yeah. but but maybe I guess not it's enough. hard because i think listening to um 
some I watched some documentaries as per usual, and the the artists they were copying or being influenced by said it was like it was good and bad. So obviously, their names were being mentioned more, but it backfired because people would prefer to see white people play blues yeah. and black people exactly. so they could so that they toured even less than before in the 60s because they now yeah. had Doesn't stones um taking their place yeah. yeah this is the issue yeah but i think most of those artists are more anti-led zeppelin than the rolling stones and a lot of those blues artists even sued led zeppelin even to this day <laughs> Um, yeah, they're happy with Rowan Stones because I think the Rowan Stones did mention that they were, you know, copying and being influenced, but apparently Zeppelin didn't at all. And we'll mention them later on because they, they covered that <laughs> song. But yeah, there's a, a black poet called uh, Leroy Jones who said that in 1965, the only difference between Beatles, Stones, and the Minstrels was that the Minstrels never convinced anybody that they were black. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, two sides to the coin there. But um, yeah, yeah, for me, I think the Stones did progress. And, you know, they were like 18, 19-year-olds and they were just excited to discover, like, this new music from America and they would, like... Yeah, fair play to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's the same, like, in Japan, they were, like, excited by seeing English guys in makeup. It's like, oh, what is this exciting thing I've never heard of? So you can see why they went towards that. So to them, it's like the hippest thing in the world was playing like this music that no one in, in UK had heard before. So you, you can see why being a teenager, they got excited and wanted to, to copy it. But yeah, obviously they weren't expecting that, you know, this could hurt those original acts careers at the same time, I guess. But yeah, but they did try things later on, you know, like I said, you know, their better stuff is things like Painted Black and, you know, um, She's a Rainbow and the Psychedelic, and they have tried new things. But I think recently they've gone back to um, doing blues again. I think they did a cover album of uh, blues tracks a couple of years ago as well. So, so Babs, um, I guess you're going to say that they may be overrated. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I knew this playlist wasn't made to try and convince me otherwise, but yeah, I, I do still think they are. And I think it's really good that we're having these conversations. I, I think this kind of, you know, st- we're, we're three white people. You know, it's good that this conversation is being had because I think in the past, probably people would have been quite yeah. defensive and seen like, just like, oh, but they're bringing the music to a wider audience and it's a bit more nuanced than that. Um, uh, but yeah away from the from the social theory musically yeah they i i can appreciate the fact that they've been going for so long and that they did you know um expand into other areas and yeah angie is from when the 90s no, like no. I, I don't even I think know it's like 72 no? or something i mean i, <laughs> I feel was it in a again was it in a film i, I, I think their last like top 10 hit was start me up it's like 1980 okay well then yeah my my timing's way off um but yeah i i do think if they're generally overrated but in blues especially from from this playlist Kylan, are they overrated for you or 100 percent overrated <laughs> shocker <laughs> yeah you know they're rock and roll artists they've contributed to rock and roll but they certainly didn't invent it <laughs> would you say that they're the worst of those uh 60s bands for stealing or um, say that again sorry do you think that they were the worst of those 60 bands for stealing from the American artists or are Led Zeppelin worse or? So I'm going to talk about Zeppelin when we talk about Memphis Minnie, definitely, because they went on to cover one of her biggest hits. And Zeppelin did exactly the same, just with heavier guitars. 
and the Beatles. There's a parallel story there with like Motown and R&B as well. Yeah, I don't know who the worst offender is, but they're all offenders. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess people have always been, you know, been influenced by other countries and other artists. I guess it's hard to uh, work out if it's if you're stealing or just trying to push music forward. Well, maybe I think. It's quite ironic because I had a conversation about this with my clients today, like my work clients, um, because one of them lived, <laughs> I'm trying to try and try not to name, one of them lived in a country where you could wear traditional outfits to work. And he was like, I did, but I, I was like, you know, am I culturally appropriating? And I was like, well, if you're working in the place and everyone around you is working in that place, I think that's fine. The difference would be if you then just started up a fashion line and were like, hey, let's produce all of these and, you know, didn't use any designers from that place. I think that's that's the line, isn't it? Because it's like, of course, you're going to be inspired by fashion, music, art, but it's when you start kind of profiting off that and not bringing in the people who created it, yeah. that's the problem. I yeah. agree. So Rona Stone's overrated sorry guys you better retire <laughs> sorry so harsh i'll send you the facts <laughs> the facts i've seen that on, on facts still on mr rain of stones i'm i'm sure they're in everything but i mean i'm sure they're also on tiktok of course yes. I, I no please <laughs> yeah, well, i don't know actually I, i'm gonna look that up right now mick jagger, Rolling stones mick jagger you know in some shorts doing his dance routine on tiktok it must happen Hey, podcast lovers. Now available, a new podcast experience featuring exclusive miniseries like Food Babes, and all new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love, food. Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop culture icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture, plus more. Relax, enjoy. Listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast, presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen. Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash Sonic Embassy. Underrated. And from TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> To uh, would you describe her as traditional blues? I don't know what the official term is. Oh yeah, for sure, she's definitely an OG of blues. So yeah, your your so tell us more about your Android to pick, please. Okay, um, so Memphis Minnie uh, was born in the late 1800, 1800s, yeah, <laughs> um, and she started touring. Um, she she came from poverty, and you know she was in the south. Um, People were not treated well and she was working on a farm um, but just got a guitar I think it was around age 11 and just started spending all her time playing the guitar so then she went out and started playing shows at the time people of colour were of course kind of restricted on where they could tour and, and play and she really honed her craft in brothels yeah, <laughs> and she enough. was a sex worker as well and she was a sex yeah. worker yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, she was yeah, I kind of veteran of that scene and then finally got picked up by, by Columbia a little later on. And in terms of like guitar, in terms of like composition, performance, persona, stagecraft, 
I really think she had it all and she is so underrated. Um, Babs, had you ever heard of her before? So, yeah, I, I had never heard of her before. So, you know, uh, I I wondered if it would be like a nice contrast to the Rolling Stones of these. This is one of the slightly forgotten people that we should know more about, because, you know, I know, for example, like my blues knowledge is limited, but I know that Lead Belly was a big influence for Nirvana, that Big Mama Thornton, who is so forgotten and she was like, uh, uh, she dressed in men's clothes and was openly queer. Um, and I wondered if, you know, if this, this was someone else in that category and it, it does seem to be. Yeah, she, she <laughs> I, from doing the research, it, it was quite funny to see how she was described. So Minnie was known as a polished professional and an, an independent woman who knew how to take care of herself. She presented herself to the public as being feminine and ladylike, but she was aggressive when she needed to be and was not shy when it came to fighting. According to the blues musician, musician Johnny Shines, any men fall with her, she'd go for them right away. She didn't take no foolishness off them. Guitar, pocket knife, pistol, anything she'd get a hand on, she'd use it. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. Um, and and yeah, so, uh, I mean, firstly, I think this is the first podcast where, like, this is the oldest songs we've ever had on the podcast. Oh, wow. Even for the Running Stones. Like, all our songs are before 71. And yeah, I, I, that's, that's quite rare. But yeah, to listen to these songs and to see the years that they were composed, you know, almost a hundred years ago was was amazing, and uh, the playing was was incredible. So yeah, very very keen to get into the playlist, and, and very glad to be introduced to Memphis Mini. Thank you, Colin. I I used to work in um, music stores, uh, Colin. So occasionally, when I was uh, filling up the blue section, I would see an album of her name on, but I'd, oh, wow. I. I I couldn't name one song, to be fair. But what I find interesting is, is how do they actually know who wrote these recordings? Because doing a bit of research, it sounds like even back then, blues artists were covering blues artists. We were covering blues artists. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. how you know who actually originally recorded it, you know? And they're saying yeah. that even in those days, you know, blues artists were still fucking over blues artists from 10 years ago by stealing yeah. their songs. <laughs> Yeah, such a good point. Yeah, I would say, yeah. So, I mean, kind of in her very, very early days, she wouldn't have had access to recording equipment at all because it was still very, like, elemental. But then when she did get to record, I mean, everything, it was just kind of sheet music. Like, that was that was the only way they could kind of copyright. But, of course, they didn't have, like, PRS or anything like that. Um, so it was just whoever's, whoever put their name on the, the sheet music, ultimately. Um, and she, uh, yeah, undoubtedly would have taken from songs that she'd heard growing up and maybe maybe at church and things like that as well, yeah. I saw um, the film randomly, this is like the poor episode, I watched Death on the Nile last oh, month. Oh, yeah. And in that, they have a black blues artist looking quite sexy, and I wonder if they're borrowing her look from Memphis Mini. Mm. So the thing, the thing with like that kind of early blues is that because of the way that the world was, um, people didn't want to see black men up there. Like they found them like intimidating. They thought they were dangerous. And even I'm sure you've heard about when Lead Belly got kind of noticed and they made him wear like a prison uniform because that was the image. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, whereas the women of blues, so Memphis Minnie, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, um, they were encouraged to dress up, you know, like glamorous kind of showgirls. And that was more palatable for the potential white audiences. Like, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. 
So then, uh, Karnan, let's get into it. What's the first song on your playlist? Great. So it's Black Cat Blues, which is so on brand for me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I present a a podcast all about um, music and magic and spirituality. And of course, the Black Cat is held up as a a good symbol of that (laughs) in folklore. And I just think this, this song is very early recording techniques. Her voice is off the scale. Um, an interesting fact that the kind of early recording technology was really suitable for women with big kind of voices because anything really quiet or anything, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't pick anything up. It wasn't like now when everyone's auto-tuned, you know? Um, yeah, and it's it's about, um, she gets a cat and he, he catches all the rats, keeps the area clean, but then everybody wants them. And it's definitely like a metaphor for like a relationship for sure, as most of her songs are. When I first heard this, this is I thought, yeah, this is exactly what I imagined. She would sound, she would sound, she would sound like even like the basic sort of like thumping drums, um, uh, and the, the little solos happening. But yeah, this is if I closed my eyes and thought of the traditional blues, this is what I thought about. Even talking about a black cat seemed very fitting. Um, although as a, a rat owner, I'm distraught. <laughs> I have two pet rats, so, you know. Yeah, but they're not eating the walls in your house or whatever it is that the lyrics say, right? So, So, yeah, this is exactly what I imagined uh, she would sound like. So it's it's a good introduction. So, yeah, Carlin, as a fellow cat lover, uh, I I, I love this. And, yeah, love the doubler entendre of, you know, she's not going to give her cat away to just anyone, um, which was very nice. And actually, this wasn't what I expected her to sound like. I think because I was a bit scared because it was blues and I'm not really into it, I, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. And I think it's because of her voice. I think her voice comes across really strongly in this, even though it's a recording from, from 1937. And I really enjoyed the melody line of, of, the, of, of her singing. And it made me think, ah, this isn't just your average blues song. So I thought, hooray. Um, yeah, this is, this is my, my kind of blues, I think. And yeah, Carlin, you, you mentioned this other song called If You See My Rooster Brackets, Please Run Him Home, uh, which is one of the best titles. And uh, I was thinking, like, I know, if she was alive today, like, would she do, like, Patreon requests of animal-themed albums? Because I would absolutely pay for that. Uh, I, I really I really enjoy her singing about animals, you know, as a... I'm I'm not a rat hater fan, but I'm, let's say, a bit more indifferent to rats. I thought she may have done a cover of Wet Ass Pussy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be, yeah, yeah, uh, like the modern, modern equivalent, surely. Imagine. <laughs> that would be incredible. But if we get all blue solo halfway through. So next track, Carl, Carlin. Sure. So um, when the levy when the levy breaks, what a song! So you might have heard this song played by Led Zeppelin. Um, the original was written by her and her then husband at that point so yeah it's all about the, the southern states they do flood flood quite a lot and um they're saying no these people are going to lose their home no one's going to care the delivery is by like the the man her her husband on this particular recording and it's quite sort of like every day you know he's, he's quite conversational about it and for me that makes me think wow like this happened to them all the time and People did lose their homes and their livelihood and no one really cared, you know? And then we saw it again with like Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. um, when there wasn't really much sort of provision given for people because it was this kind of blasey, oh, it just happens all the time. It's like, 
you know, my dad was in Nashville and there was a hurricane and they just sort of go, right, and shut the door and that's it. <laughs> you know? I didn't know this was about a real incident. I thought this was like her discussing how hard life is, you know, you, you got to keep building and you got to keep, you know, getting past all of the, all of the floods and all of the rain. I didn't realise this actually was yeah. about an actual Mississippi flood. Yeah, sure. But, but yeah, but I don't know if you remember, but like in the 80s and 90s at, at the cinema, there was always like a whiskey advert when they'd be having like a blues night and there's a big storm outside. And then the guy goes, the storm's finished. And they would go, oh no. But it's still raining, and then they start playing blues again. <laughs> and I've been searching YouTube for that all day. And it's like, am I the only person who, who remembers this advert? Do you remember this advert, Cardin? No, or Maybe? no? Yes, yeah. It must be like some sort of whiskey. But and I, as soon as I heard this, I kept thinking about that advert. So if you are listening at home, guys, please send me a link. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I haven't gone absolutely mad. But, um, Email us. We'll give you the details at the end. I hadn't heard the Led Zeppelin song, but it's quite different. It's like two. How? What? Where, where have you been? <laughs> I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. They're more, oh, over, okay. they're more overrated than the Rona Stones. Um, I, I, but... I disagree, and I think we need to discuss this on a future episode. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I never heard. But it's quite different, isn't it? It's like twice as long with like kind of different lyrics and everything. But I know that yeah, people do hate them for uh, covering that song. Because I wonder, you know, does the money trickle down to her family at all? For... It'll trickle down, yeah, to her estate um, mm. if she's named as a writer on it. Um, and that's that's really important that that's in place um, because things like, oh, if we're going to go back to the Rolling Stones, you know, the whole Bittersweet Symphony fiasco, mm. where the, the OGs get, didn't get a penny for that. Yeah. Um, but the Stones got a lot of pennies. <laughs> Mm. And and they need the money. Yeah, yeah. they're poor poor souls. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I I only knew the Led Zeppelin version. I mean, I I I knew it was a cover, but I'd never made the the effort to come and listen to it. And I was really surprised how different it was. I really enjoyed the very complex guitar playing because while I do I really like when the Levy breaks by Led Zeppelin. It's one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Um, this is this is very different and. Um, and and yeah, I I feel like both are good. Both are you get something completely different from them. Um, but yeah, definitely many be like, ah, oh, so maybe Led Zeppelin are not as innovative as I thought they were, especially given how complex the guitar playing is. So is it quite a big hit for Led Zeppelin? I don't know. No, because okay, so me with Led Zeppelin, it, they're they're not one of those bands where I've listened to like every record. I got the um, the greatest hits, you know, the the early latter earlier ones and and got into them a little bit through that so it's on one of the i'm guessing yeah the the latter but yeah colin do you like the led zeppelin version at all i do, I do you, like it yeah. yeah i think that they're fantastic musicians and i mean his voice on it is is amazing yeah. um so kudos on that but again it's a little bit annoying that people think that they wrote it <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah, so it's a bit like the zootons with uh oh yeah valerie valerie yeah they must hate it when they go on x factor and go i'm gonna sing Valerie by Amy Winehouse. No. <laughs> but yeah, my, my dad, who is not a YouTuber at all, um, he sent me a like a, a, 
a 10, 15 minute long video recently of like songs that you didn't know, a cover version. And there really is a lot of that. But again, there's a difference between a cover version and, you know, like a ripoff. Uh, and yeah, this, yeah, Valerie, I mean, again, it's two different songs. Uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy both of them. I think I actually like the Zutons version a bit more. I imagine you, you might do, Fran, because you, mm. you don't like the horns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as we know, as it's a recent discovery. We only discovered this when we recorded our Stranglers episode, Colin. I like where... some horns. You know, I like the sax solo in Rio. In Rio, okay. Do you like Baker Street? No. Oh, I see. I quite like Baker Street. But anyway, we're going, we're going off on a tangent. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But uh, but yeah, it was. I was really glad to listen to this original and, sure. and see where it came from, definitely. And your next pick, Carlin. Yeah, so Kissing in the Dark. What a song. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean, she used so much kind of double entendre and it's kind of all a bit cheeky. And But yeah, so she talks about, I need to go to the doctor because I've been kissing in the dark. So we can... Yep. Yeah, we can kind of infer that this is maybe about STDs. <laughs> yeah. STDs in the 1930s is not something I want to... <laughs> <laughs> she was hey, we need to talk about it every decade. <laughs> yeah, she honed her craft in brothels. Yeah. That was her training ground. <laughs> and yeah, just openly telling us that... Um, I guess people who were in that circle would really know what it was about, but maybe others wouldn't. So, I mean, kissing in the dark makes it sound like, you know, it's sex, but we're just calling it kissing. Um, but yeah, when you, when you think about, I think, yeah, going back to the Rolling Stones, didn't they have a song called Let's Spend the Night Together? And mm-hmm. that was already like, whoa. Yeah. And that was 30 years later. So this is, yeah, this is much more out there. But do you know how people heard this? Was this played on the, the radio, these tracks, or was it just in the clubs, do you know? So she, she was signed to Columbia and they had a, a branch called Race Records, um, purely for black artists. Oh, God. So, yeah, so <laughs> it wouldn't have been in the mainstream. Okay, so yeah. maybe she could get away with having a bit more whiskey lyrics if it wasn't, you know, on the uh, the main stations back in those days. On Waspy yeah. United, <laughs> 105, yeah. Totally. But then one of the kind of pro, like, Stones things is that maybe they brought attention to these kind of forgotten records. You know, when people heard that, they were like, I'm going to dig out the, the OG stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's um quite a different sound to the other songs it's got like piano on it it's got it's got percussion and you, you could you could probably dance to this as well it's one of the sort of songs you could, yeah. I, could, I can imagine this being in a, in a, a late night club yeah. um but also do you know why are so many blues people from that era called muddy little baby kid Is, why did they have nicknames do they have a wide always nicknames i don't really know where that comes from um i mean many her name was elizabeth <laughs> So Elizabeth Douglas. So Douglas mm. is Scottish, so I like to think there's maybe a, a Scottish connection there. Um, but Memphis being the, you know, the home of blues, she wanted to be associated with that. It was a good stage name. Um, she did play there regularly in Beale Street, um, but she was from um, New Orleans. Mm. I don't think uh, Paul Peter would really work for me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or like yeah peter Peter or something like that yeah, that's not the same ring so um well brussels babs um are you a fan <laughs> um 
actually, so the lyrics, yes, I, I absolutely love the lyrics. I loved reading about her girlfriend from Alabama who put all her pennies in a jam. Um, but musically, I think it was my least favorite from the playlist because I'm not a big fan of the piano, actually, which is strange. Like, yes, I, I am slightly allergic to piano when it's a bit melodic, as discussed in previous episodes. But I don't know. I, I think because of the the two songs we've heard so far, her voice is so like her voice is what really makes me like her more than anything else. Even though I can appreciate the the playing, uh, yeah, it doesn't come across as strongly here. So listen, love love to hear about STDs in the in the fifties. Actually, I think this is from fifty three. Oh, wow. But uh, but yeah, um, less less piano, more STDs, less piano, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I really struggled to find that like dates and. Who, yeah, who I mean, <laughs> who wrote it? I went on Discogs basically. Mm. Discogs, and it, you know, I put that they're all singles. I'm sure you know there's a million different compilations, but it was like when was the song released? So according to Discogs, 1953. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your next track, Carlin? Cool. So the next track is Ma Rainey after the woman I really loved it. Um, I didn't know anything about Ma Rainey beforehand. It was an incredibly claustrophobic film, um, but the atmosphere created in the music was 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 fantastic, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So she's another OG, and it's just great because um, Minnie's, like, really paying tribute to her and saying, like, I really miss you, and I'm going to carry on your legacy, and... Yeah, just just paying tribute to her inspiration, which, as we've kind of noted on this podcast, is quite important. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, you know. You don't, you don't have a uh, Britney Spears singing about Christina Aguilera, do you already? Yeah, I was I was thinking just that. I was like thinking I was like do a leaper about Miley Cyrus. So I've updated it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a decade, but yes. <laughs> um, I yeah, I enjoyed the, the Jordan guitars. Um, yeah. But my only issue, I think, with the genre blues is that I'm a big fan of top melody. And there's not a lot of top melody in blues. Yeah, I had never heard of Ma Rainey. And then when I did my research, I then discovered that, oh yeah, that's the film that came out with, uh, with Viola Davis a couple of years ago. So I should probably watch that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, Vi- Viola Davis is astounding. Mm. And um, yeah, if Ma Rainey was really like that, wow. Because <laughs> uh, she, you will see, she takes absolutely zero shit. Yeah. It's, it's amazing <clears throat> to see. Um, but yeah, I, I I prefer this one to Kissing in the Dark, even though it's still more traditionally bluesy. And I, yeah, like you were saying, Cardin, like it's I think it's just so nice to be like, I really appreciate this person, and I'm going to sing about them. Like you know, given you know rap star beefs and rock rock guys slagging each other off in the music press, this is a much I, I much prefer this. Yeah. You know, I, I I would much prefer a bit more of this rather than diss tracks. Um, and I really enjoyed her her heartfelt humming. Um, yeah. I don't know, like I, I really I really felt it. And but I wondered, Fran, if you were like, well, it's not lyrics, so I don't like it. <laughs> hey, I don't mind a bit of. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I even own the Crafters Dummies on tape single. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess in those days the artists had to be more of an army, I guess, because they couldn't have had much support. So I guess, you know, there would have to be, like, sisters you know, fighting against you know, the world in, in, in many ways. Uh, yes, because, I mean, Carlin mentioned her second husband, and apparently the reason they broke up was because he was threatened by her success. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, sisters need to band together. <laughs> yeah. And your, your final track? 
Yeah, so the final one is Who Do Lady, which is prop well. It's like Cat Blues might be my favourite, but Who Do Lady's got a special a special place in my heart. Um yeah, I think it's really is a really interesting depiction of something that, that was and kind of still is quite common in the South, who do as a practice of self empowerment, a kind of magic. Um yeah, and she's talking about her encounter with a woman, a hoodoo lady. I mean, the people would have went to like a hoodoo person for all sorts of things like money, love, <laughs> success, whatever it is. Um, but Minnie sounds kind of um, like in awe of her a little bit, but also like, don't give me any shit. <laughs> you know? Don't play any tricks on me. So she's got that kind of street savviness about her. Is hoodoo similar to voodoo or does this just rhymes? Yeah, so voodoo is more of like an actual belief system, whereas mm. voodoo is just a practice where they would use things like plants and that for, for spells, really. Yeah. I stupidly put down on my list Hoodie Lady, which is a, <laughs> a very different song. <laughs> Especially for, for Memphis Minnie, who by all accounts was very glamorous. <laughs> um, this was my favourite of the five. Um, again, I like her asides. Like, you know, like when she mentions... Um, they say that it might be about Aunt Caroline Dye, they reckon there's a person talking about. But like, yeah, how her side saying, I'm, I'm scared of her, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that magic. So yeah, this was my favourite track of, of the lot. Babs, are you a fan of the uh, hoodoo lady? I, I was a fan. Uh, I think I felt very similarly to, to Ma Rainey of like, okay, this is more traditional bluesy. So it, it didn't grab me as much as, as Black Cat Blues or... Um, or when the levee breaks but yeah i still enjoyed it and i wondered what on earth it was about so thank you for, for breaking it down because i i i've never heard of hoodoo and actually i thought it was about her being a sex worker oh. um because i don't know hoodoo because like i guess it sounds like hoochie or something that's the connection i'm in mind yeah. which yeah. is entirely wrong <laughs> so i was like because and she also you know she talks about getting in and getting all that clothes um bring my man back home but don't let him stay all night so yeah I, I it wasn't clear so yeah thank thank you for the clarification <laughs> is this a, a genre that mentions um witchcraft more than any other era apart from well i guess goth yeah. night but <laughs> yeah for sure like muddy waters is referred to hoodoo quite a lot um, the, the devils i guess like oh yeah yeah uh robert johnson of mm. course famous devil at the crossroads yeah <laughs> so um babs listening to these tracks is Memphis Minnie over or underrated? Absolutely she is. I'd never heard of her. I liked uh, a few of the songs, despite it not being a genre that I, I'm automatically inclined to. And and yeah, she wrote over 200 songs or something like that, they they reckon. I'm, I think there's there's something there for everyone. You know, it's, it's clearly not just traditional 12-bar blues and singing about feeling sad, uh, you know, and as much as we normally don't pay attention to lyrics, Fran, like I really enjoyed the, the variety and breadth of topics covered in this small thing where it's like, even when you're talking about a flood or hoodoo, you know, there's there's some, you know, double entendres and, and other things going on. So no, 100% underrated. And I think, yeah, musically, this isn't my kind of thing and I, I can't imagine myself going back to it. But legacy wise, it seems quite sad that, you know, I know Muddy Waters and Lid Belly and, you know, Robert Johnson, but I've never heard of her. And why is that, you know? And and maybe some of these bands like Stones should have maybe mentioned some of the other people <laughs> apart from the same ones, you know. So I feel like she's maybe been lost um, 
Of, maybe because if you're a blues fan, maybe you instantly instant know who she is. I know of, like Bonnie Raitt is a fan. I think she yeah. um, got her a, a tombstone in the mid nineties. Um, yeah. But yeah, she was not on my radar at all. So thank you for introducing me to her. Ooh. Yeah, it's interesting you say you don't know if you'll go back back to her. I think I will, but I I, I just think like with a lot of genres, you have to be in the mood. You have mm-hmm. to. Be. Yeah. And it was it was funny because I you know I prepared for this podcast and then I went off and did stuff around the house and just left it on and and wandered around and I was like this is really giving my house a different kind of atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> I was like I feel I feel like I'm in the park. It's just like you know I'm there. I don't know like uh, hanging up my laundry and stuff and there's this woman singing Wah! and I was like. <laughs> definitely creating an atmosphere that and the music i usually listen to doesn't <laughs> so i think when i'm in that mood i will go back to it does um jack white mention this sort of era at all yeah yeah so jack white is really into this this kind of thing um he lives in nashville so right next to memphis um i'm probably going to be meeting jack white in about three months as well wow. so i'm going to be sure to ask him for more tips and kind of where to go and um, memphis minis um tombstone is in memphis as well mm. so i'll probably go into memphis and, and have a look at it yeah Oh, incredible. So for, for the podcast or for something else? Um, so I'm going to present some of my PhD research, which is on like record shops and, and women and the kind of intersection of the of two. The two. Um, yeah, and it's a big conference called Making Vinyl. And yeah, Jack White is going to be one of the speakers. Yeah. That because of Third Man, is it? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'll get a little tour of Third Man. <gasps> Very exciting. Get some free oh. stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Tell us, tell us more about what you do, Carlin, as well as about your podcast, because you're a you're a music lecturer. I, I read on your website. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so I teach at BIM um, in London mm-hmm. and Manchester. So I teach all this kind of music history stuff, genre studies, a bit of arts development stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm also just at the end of a PhD on on vinyl as a format and kind of what it signals nowadays at the University of Birmingham. And yeah, getting out to speak at panels and stuff like that has been great. Um, that chapter was published by Routledge in a lovely big book, which you can buy at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. What's the book called? Other places. Um, it's called um, The Handbook of Women's Work in Music. It's published nice. by Routledge. So yeah, if you're affiliated with any like institutions or anything, get them to buy it because it's expensive. <laughs> You heard Carlin. I mean, this this is all, this is ticking all the boxes for me, I have to say. Uh, I was just looking, there's there's a book coming up called This Woman's Work. Oh, yeah. Which I'm really looking forward really? to. I, like, I, I am a sucker. Like, I will read a book about a woman writing up music in any genre. I don't care. It could be like, you know, thrash metal yeah. or, you know, gabba. I, don't, I, I really don't care. Um, so, yeah, this sounds very much up my street. I, I will keep an eye out. We will, are we going to mention that we're not vinyl people? Uh, I was actually that was going to be my next question. That was going to be my next question, Carlin. How do you feel about CDs? Um, I've got hundreds of CDs, but I don't no longer have a CD player. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As you can see, these are all my CDs. It's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> is that your preferred format? It is, and I think for for Fran as well. And we constantly mm. complain that. Um, you know, very often when records are available physically these days, it is only in vinyl. Um, although that I did read something that says that it might be on the up now. I think Discogs, uh, again, were saying that they had a real um, rush in 2021. I think people are maybe realizing that music that's online might not be always available online. And 
some form, you know some music is only available on cd yeah uh so and i i definitely now more than ever i'm like if i like something i buy it on on cd immediately because i'm like who knows if Bandcamp will exist or or, or something like that but although so, i bought yeah. two uh cds this year and both of them have come in just a, a plastic wallet like not even any oh. artwork that's always a bit harsh like if i want to have the same feeling as I did back in the day when you had a booklet or something that's why I'm paying the money for you if yeah. you just give me a CD and you know I get to download it from the internet you know the reason I want to have physical music is I can actually have a physical thing to look at yeah. um but yeah I mean I randomly I was I put on gay dad recently oh great <laughs> and they had nothing on Spotify at all and then the next day by magic gay dad's album appeared on Spotify so I don't know if I have any powers but, but, there, is there like someone tracking gay dad mentions on the internet it was the most uh, random thing i've ever known in my life I'm, i just put on on spot on on twitter ah oh, gay dad uh randomly got into them cannot believe they're not on um spotify and a day later a guy linked me saying they are today i was like what but uh, yeah I, I think i've talked about this before on the podcast but tom Vec, who I, mm. I love bringing up so for ages only one of his albums was on on spotify and then he released a new album and people were kind of writing to him on social media he's not very active on there and this guy was like hey i'm in columbia i think it would be really great to get the first two albums on spotify and he was like what they're not on this so i was like i'll take my chance and i was like yes i'm in belgium and they're also not on this so i think sometimes artists sometimes artists know but sometimes artists don't know uh so i would say if you if you have an artist whose music is not on spotify it's worth you know reaching out to them maybe not the record label but reaching out to them to <laughs> to to let them know also sometimes it's a geographical thing there's stuff we've discovered fran that's on uk spotify but Mm. not belgian spotify so yeah is there still an issue with vinyl being delayed due to lack of oil absolutely Mm. um for that reason for for brexit reasons um covid reasons slowed a lot of things down and and Adele, right? Adele. <laughs> so when yeah. major artists, yeah, clog up the pressing plants, yeah, they they get precedence over everyone else. So... I've had two artists cancel their tour because they had to wait for the release of the album before they went on tour. I guess it makes sense. You don't want to have a new album I mean no one's heard and tour yeah. it. So yeah, so it is kind of. Yeah, destroying the music industry. <laughs> Who knew? Well, yeah, I mean, Fran, when we talked to Ben Hampson, he mm. was saying that with AA Sessions, they were lucky because they already recorded enough, enough songs in advance so they, they could get it in advance. But it still took months and months and months wow. uh, for them to do And that was, that was last year we talked to him. So, yeah. So if our listeners want to find you, how can they find you, Carlin? Sure. Um, yeah, um, Instagram. I'm like Carlin L. King um, and Songs Are Spells podcast as well. Um, we have a TikTok at Songs or Spells podcast. Um, You're the way- first guest to promote their TikTok. Oh, so fantastic! Thank, thank you for bringing this into the twenty the twenty twenties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've also got a website. It's just carolynking.com, which I need to update. <laughs> I've seen quite a lot of your Instagram lives you do. Yeah. For the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. So we had Jen Eugenio on there, um, who runs a pressing plant in West Virginia. So we had a good chat, and she's really into Black Sabbath. She would be great on this podcast. Okay, you're, I, you've heard us. Well, we'll we'll get in touch. We'll get in touch and say that you recommend it. How <laughs> yeah, did Black you first Sabbath, yeah. start linking like tarot and witchcraft to music? So for me, it's it's always been there. I feel like I've always noticed it, but um, then I kind of had a look online, and I was like, no one's really like doing this. Mm. There's a gap in the market. 
and and once you start speaking to artists like some of them have been a bit like oh are you a bit scared of this and it's like no it's not about are you a witch it's about um <laughs> things like you know how do you manage your own well-being how do you look after yourself how do you yeah just go about life and like the anchoress put it really well when she said that these are things that i've been taught in therapy you know things like gratitude journaling um you know meditation you know those those are kind of spiritual practices and, and yeah for her that had been recommended by her therapist and i mean dev from idols thought he wasn't spiritual at all and then we had a chat and he was like actually i've been doing this all along yeah <laughs> that's brilliant yeah that's that's quite interesting it, it you, you reminded me of um did you see what Issa Rae said about the the music industry so Issa Rae who um she's the creative insecure the the HBO show oh. and she's you know so she's in Hollywood right you know not known for for being the nicest place but she says the music business industry is the worst I have come across it's riddled with crooks and criminals wow <laughs> she said I thought Hollywood was crazy the music industry it has to start all over again there are lots of conflicts of interest archaic mentalities villains and criminals it's an addiction industry and I really feel for artists who need to get into it so it's good that Carlin you're providing kind of an outlet for for people to to talk about their problems and, and see see what helps them because yeah it yeah. seems yeah, I feel like stuff is barely coming to light on what really goes on in the music oh, industry. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. The tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you are doing lecturing and you're talking to the the next generation, are they, is it bleak for them or do they see a future? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously being from the 90s, you know, I grew up with like music industry, but you, you can become a millionaire and sell millions of albums. And that's like, you can have a thousand streams and make 10 pence. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I have had those conversations and I've basically said to them, it's down to one of you in this room to change that. Like, we're counting on you. Like, mm. something's got to give. And they're like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I, 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 I bet can continue. It'd be a, a horrible thing if no one can make it as a job anymore because you know like i, I want to see bands touring the world you know it's yeah. nice having local artists but it's also great to experience a band from a thousand million miles away you know and yeah. bringing a whole new culture to you yeah although again to, to bring it down a bit more <laughs> um you know i've i only recently discovered about the the issue with venues taking cuts of merch and it's just like musicians are fucked over enough like do you really need to fuck them over more with this i i genuinely had no idea um i mean yeah i think it, it seems to me I, I don't know if you'd agree Claudine, of like it just seems difficult for it to be a full-time job in the same way like yeah it's difficult for it to be the only thing you do right yeah so we teach that like the portfolio career yeah all different have different okay. things under your belt <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean, bands, I'm glad we have talked about this, of like, when you're a band, you're not just a band, you are a social media manager and yeah. the, yeah, like a shipping, <laughs> shipping expert and X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and especially if you're, if you're just starting out. I don't know. I mean, I wonder, can the role of labels really is, is I think the key, isn't it? Because I think on the one hand, the, the, the time that we live in, 
kind of anyone can put stuff out there and put it out to the world but if you have a label that's that looks after you yeah. that provides for example mental health services yeah. which i think is becoming a bit more common yeah. uh, that can help you with the other stuff then then you can really thrive so yeah yeah more of that please <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed um but yeah thanks guys for listening and we'll speak to you next time and thanks again to Carmen. thank you it's been fantastic thanks bye-bye bye-bye And thank you for getting to the end of the podcast. Um, thanks again to Carlin for being a great guest and check out all her work online and her new book. Um, I have had a run-in with the Rolling Stones, well, a Rolling Stone. Back in 2007, I saw the Stones headline at Isle of Wight Festival. I had booked to get the last ferry back to the mainland and then there was some commotion as we discovered that the ferry had been cancelled and there wouldn't be another one for another two hours. So we had all these families like being furious at the operators and demanding an explanation. And slowly it turned out that the Rhinestones had commandeered the ferry because they wanted to leave earlier. And um, people were like, you know, trying to call the BBC, making complaints. And then about 15 minutes later, those of these like black. Um, limousines and um, vans started to drive towards us and all these guys wearing like their Rolling Stones t-shirts were like booing as the Stones and the Entourage drove on by and I was just there with my then girlfriend and uh, the window of one of the cars went down and Ronnie Wood leant over and went fuck you and put his finger up to my face uh, <laughs> and I just looked at my girlfriend and, and beamed and said, a stone has fallen at me, it was fucking amazing. And then the stones got onto the ferry and they all jumped out of the cars and they were giving us the finger. And I thought, well, you know, rock and roll. So please subscribe to this podcast and you'll be able to check out our future episodes. You can find us on social media. We are OU Music Pod on Twitter and Over Underrated Music Pod on Instagram. We hope you get to hear us again in the future. Goodbye.